Are you a CEO or sales leader with little or no time to coach your sales development team? Or is your expertise in areas other than sales? At eXp, we exist to help your sales development team to increase pipeline and grow your company exponentially. We dive into the trenches with sales individuals within your organization to coach them through the discomfort and excitement of cold calls and help them fully utilize the sales technology tools you have invested in. For more information on how eXp can help grow your organization, visit the website found in the bio. Exceptional coaching enables exceptional potential. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Sales E-Experience podcast. This episode, the final episode of season one, will be a slightly different approach to the podcast. We're calling this the Cheese Chasers Reunion. You'll find out in the episode what that means, but it stars George Sterland, an account executive at the Command Group, Emily Wood, an account executive at DocuSign, Luke Butler, an account executive at Vonage, and Lewis Terry an SDR coach at eXp. We hope you enjoy this conversation with former SDRs about their careers and about what advice they'd give to SDRs in the role today. I hope you enjoy the show. Let's go. So, great to have you all with me, guys. Um, As for introductions, this is my former SDR team from New Voice Media back in the day. So in 2016, this was the UK sales development team at MVM. What a journey, eh? Four years later, and here we all are. So I guess it'd be great um, if we could just go around and and introduce yourselves, tell us who you are and what it is you do now. Emily, why don't we start with you? (laughs) I think you were going to pick on me. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name's Emily Wood. I joined New Voice Media in September 2015, I think it was, um, as an SDR. Um, oh god I've forgotten the question it's an introduction isn't it yeah uh, I joined as an SDR in 2015 um, and four years later I'm an account executive at a company called DocuSign uh, looking after the financial services space in mid-market awesome Lewis what are you gonna so I joined New Voice Media as an SDR in February 2017 um and moving on since then i'm now an sdr coach at exp working for the john richardson very nice uh luke yeah so i joined uh new voice media i think it was around may 2016 i'm gonna say as an sdr uh and yeah four years later i am an ae at vonage uh so vonage acquired new voice media two years ago awesome and george where are you calling in from uh i'm calling in from sydney australia so uh i was i was actually john's first hire when he was uh became the the manager of the the new voice media sdr team well it was november start of november 2015 so a couple of months after emily um so i was there for i think it was 18 months as a an SDR stroke BDR, promoted to an AE, had uh, a little over a year in that team, um, and then decided to go traveling. Uh, ended up in New Zealand being sort of ready to work again, but didn't want to come home yet. So I hopped over to Sydney and I'm now recruiting for salespeople, SDRs and AEs um, across Australia and New Zealand. Awesome. 
And yeah, I guess for, for those watching my background, I joined New Voice Media as an SDR in 2014 and got promoted to manage that team uh, in the October 2015. Uh, so inherited Emily as, a, as an SDR and then, and then hired these three losers. Um, so uh, obviously not losers. How generous of me to bring you on a call and insult you straight away. Um, but... I think I'd love to to kind of open up the discussion and and talk a little bit about kind of how those experiences you have as an SDR have helped prepare for the careers each of you have. You know, you've all you know been promoted and then had opportunities to to move companies or or to stay within Vonage and, and within New Voice Media and and have success. How, what are some of the things that that I guess you learn or that you did as an SDR that have have helped prepare you for that? Um, George, why don't we we start with you on that one? Uh, I think the biggest impact it has on anyone, whether it's like your, your future career um, in sales, or even if you were to, you know, go off into another career path, or or even just your life outside of work as well, that the confidence that you get from just being able to pick up the phone and speak to a complete stranger and try and you know talk for as long as you can and, and ultimately book a qualified opportunity with someone. You know, and these people are, you know, senior directors, potentially, they've got busy days, the last thing they want to do is speak to you. But if you're able to pick up the phone and, and have that conversation with them and it, and it goes well, um, yeah, it just gives you that so much confidence, both for yeah, your, your future career, but also in you know, all parts of life as well. Um, and I think I've actually just finished reading a book by a sales trainer called Tony Hughes, um, called Combo Prospecting, which I definitely recommend anyone to read. It's um, like, it just gets you super pumped for, like for your prospecting and for making your cold calls um it kind of talks quite well or positions it as you being a warrior um not that you're going to go in and be aggressive on the phone but just more of of how brave it is and it's you know even the most experienced sales reps i speak to enterprise sales guys who you know are scared to make cold calls it's it's a a nerve-wracking thing to do but you know it just positions it quite well as if you can just come in have your first few hours in the morning uh, make make some cold calls even if you do nothing for the rest of the day, you've achieved something that you know, very few people would, would even attempt to do. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I think that's, it's a really interesting point in that. And um, I was reading something else recently that said, yeah, the first thing you should do is always make a cold call, like getting over that first call in the day yeah. just sets you up. Um, really nicely for, for the rest of the things you're doing. Um, Luke, what about you? Yeah, I agree with George. I think for me, um, it was about having a structure. Uh, so, you know, coming in, uh, you know, having a structure in the day, whether that be making X amount of cold calls before like lunchtime or sending X amount of emails, just getting into a routine. Um, I, I think as an SDR, it's quite easy to kind of fall out of that routine. Um, but once you have that structure in place and, you know, you do move through the roles like to an AE, again you can you can take that skill set um yeah because it's not easy you know it's quite especially right now working from home it's easy to fall out of a routine or you know oh, I'm, I'm not going to make any calls or i'm not going to send any random emails or, or bashos um but yeah i think you know being an sdr for two two to three years it just gets in your mindset that you do need to send out those emails you do need to pick up the phone um so yeah that's something that i've taken into the AE role. Nice, nice. Emily, what about you? 
Um, I would totally agree with the confidence piece. Um, I think sometimes the SDR role is, it's typically an entry level role into a business. So you're often seen as kind of bottom of the pile. But I think if you don't look at it that way and take it, take it as an opportunity, opportunity to almost show off to the people around you that you're not here just to be an SDR, you're here to progress and move into a direct sales role, for example, I think it's a really good um, platform to do that. Um, I think the way this is the, the SDR role for me has prepared me for what I'm doing today is that now I work with um, MDRs myself as an AE. I know what a good AE to MDR relationship looks like. That really helped me um, when I first moved into an AE role at Spring CM. Um, but it helps me more so now at DocuSign because there's a huge amount of people that I have to work with. Um, and that I need to know how, how other people like to work. And for me, talking to other MDRs, understanding how they like to work, it aligns so nicely with what I did. Um, that it's just a really sick transition. It's a really nice relationship and a fluid relationship with my MDR. Um, I can make them successful in the same way that they can make me successful. So I think it's understanding the role and having that background to a sales role. You're always going to be um, someone who, who, who an MDR looks to um, as kind of inspiration, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's really interesting that that's one of the things you've, you've shared, because one of the things that I recognized as a strength of, of you for as a team was the way that you built those relationships with your AEs you know the 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 time and the investment and the I guess deliberateness of the way you did that was something that I was really proud of and I, and I think contributed massively to your success um I guess could we could we just dive into that a little bit what what would be some of the advice you would give Lewis will come back to you for that first question but what what would be some of the advice any of you would give to an SDR or an MDR about how they should engage with their AE today I think yeah. I think just be be confident and be bold. When I um, worked as a um, kind of temporary manager of an SDR team, some of the really good SDRs that I saw were people who almost worked as an AE in that they were so confident, they spoke to other AEs as if they weren't junior to them or less senior. Um, and they they made their wants and needs clear to that to that AE. Although, yes, you are working for any, they also need to make you successful to incentivize you to then continue working for them. Um, so it's in, absolutely in their interest to, to sit down with you and make time for you. Um, so, yeah, I think my advice would be be bold and be confident and don't, don't do yourself down just because you're in a less senior role than them. Yeah, that's something that I think get, getting sort of tight with your AE and you know, I think Emily sort of mentioned it a little bit just there, you know, yeah, we were you know, employed, well, you know, John, you were our, our manager, you know, but, you know, ultimately, you know, whilst yes, you're successful if, if we're successful, but also RAE's success, you know, came from us as well. Um, and so just being able to, you know, little things like just knowing what's going on in their world, even if it's opportunities that you haven't passed to them, how are they going? What's their pipeline like? What are they doing? Each week, you know, I speak to them at least once a day. They're probably on the road. If there's a call in the morning, what are your objectives for today? Either an email or a call at the end of the day. Did you achieve those objectives? And that's a two-way street as well. Just, I think, you know, even if it's unrelated to necessarily the work you're doing specifically, generating opportunities for them, just getting as tight with them as you can. And that's, you know, the knock-on effect of that is just your relationship's going to go to the next level and you're going to be able to support them 
to the next level as well. Um, your, 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 I guess your business part, partners ultimately. Yeah, I just just to add to that, I think um, you know showing that you're not just an SDR that's going to chuck the meetings over the fence. No one wants that. Um, you know, so something that I've seen work really well with an SDR and AE relationship um, is those SDRs that want to go above and beyond their day role. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, even though you might book someone a meeting um, and it's a qualified meeting, you know, uh, being there to help them for the demos or anything I can do to support you on the demos or anything I can do to support you with the proposal, um, you know, showing them that, um, you know, the SDR is an extension of, of their role rather than a separate business unit, a, a more junior role. That's not the way it should be. Um, yeah, it should be a, an extension uh, to what they do. And I would I add think to that. Sorry, George. Um, Go ahead. I think an extension of that is showing them willingness to learn um, and letting them know what your goals are. Because if I said to my AE when I was an SDR, look, I really want to be an AE within six months of being here, they then know to add me to all these discovery calls. I can push them to support me in other ways. So, as Luke said, not only just slinging them a meeting when you've booked it in their calendar but actually sitting in on that discovery call making sure that little things like the meeting the meeting link is working and that kind of thing um and just just showing that willingness and desire to to be better um and you'll become a better um sdr through shadowing discovery calls 100 percent because you're asking the questions then that the AE would ask that the AE can then ask higher level questions. So you take it up a notch in your conversations by learning from what the AE is doing. Yeah. Nice. Nice. 100%. The, the other bit I was going to mention there is uh, as well, is, you know, maybe going outside the, you know, the day-to-day -day actual work of it, but and more maybe to do with like company culture and, and how the, the broader teams you know, relate to each other. And I, like, I don't know if like my memory is sort of squishing everything together and the timelines are getting a little bit, you know, muddled up here. But I, I seem to remember when there was like a five-a-side football that started on Monday nights at, at some point. And I seem to remember at that point, because when you're an SDR, there's, there's some sales, you know, AEs, even if they're not AEs you necessarily work directly with. But there was some that you might only see once a week and then they're busy. You know, you probably never really speak to them. But when that started, I remember was you know, when we were in the SDR team still, and suddenly all of these AEs, you know, if they if they're in once a week and they've been there six months, you, you know, you've you've met them like you know not not that many times, let alone have a chance to actually build a relationship with them. Suddenly you were able to come in and you know crack a joke with them about what what happened the night before. And from a, from a company's perspective, I think if companies are looking to build you know successful SDR teams you know I'm not saying go and start a five-a-side football team but you know something where people are together and are able to to build that relationship because you know if if people are in the office for one or two days a week as an AE those days are filled with meetings there's, there's not that much time for you know an SDR to, to try and build that relationship unless they're directly you know put together and, and the reality is often with an SDR you will move around and, and have different AEs you know if you're in, in the role for a couple of years so if you can go into that already with a relationship there then you know that's going to get off to such a better start. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point like when we, when we played the football it was almost like I, I remember I'd been at the company probably like maybe four or five months and literally after one Monday night of playing football I felt like I had a much better relationship with a load of the AEs I felt a lot more confident around them just on the basis that we spend a bit of time with each other out of work and actually like you actually get to know them as a person rather than 
what they're like at work. Um, so I, I think that's sort of a really good point. I mean, the one thing I'd add to what you said before is all ladies are like very, very different. And I think it's really important to one, know what your AE wants, but two, you also need to know what you need to achieve if your goal is like Emily's say to progress to an AE in six months, because not all AEs will request that kind of commitment from you. So I think it's, as an SDR, you've almost got to take that upon yourself sometimes. Because for example, some of the AEs would have been like, just book me a meeting. If you can get me in the meeting, get me on the phone, that's fine. Whereas other AEs would want full in-depth, want to fully understand the company structure, the pain systems. And it's, it's, so I think it's very important to know what they want, but also know what you still need to do to achieve that progression from an SDR into an AE role. I'll leave it there. No, no, very good, very good. Lewis, let's come back to, to that first question. What, what are some of the things that kind of you learned as an SDR or, or from your experiences there that have helped prepare you for, for what you're doing now? I think as an SDR, I learned that it's, it's not always a rush. Like there's no rush in sales. I think mean, I came in, there's like a, a natural like competitive nature like to me and I think that competitive nature was like I want to be the fastest person to be promoted to an AE role I want to do this as quickly as possible when a lot of the people like a lot of the AEs around me were saying to me actually it's a case of you are in one of the hardest jobs but like take your time there's no nothing like wrong with being in that role for more more time and the longer you are in it the more it is going to ultimately prepare you for when you do take that transition um, and having worked at a few different businesses now I've seen I've seen that happen I've seen businesses that will try and rush SDRs and move them into a, a closing role much sooner and the reality is it it hasn't led to like the same success um, and a lot of them a lot of them have gone to fail now a few of them obviously have succeeded but um, I think that's sort of that's something I've learned over time and having sort of witnessed that firsthand um, that, that that is the case. What what was the second part of the question? Yeah, no, that I think I think it was just around that really, around kind of what what you've learned from those experiences and how that's prepared you for for what you're doing today. And I, I think you know in your current role, you're you're helping SDRs to be successful, right? You're you're working with them and and coaching them, and and so by helping people to have that patience. And I I think. It's really interesting to say that because we, we were talking just before we started recording about the four years between us being a team and now and how it feels like years ago and it well, is years ago. It feels like ages ago, but it, it's gone really quickly. Like that bubble you're in as an SDR feels so intense and feels like forever. The reality is, is it's gone. Like you're out of it and it's gone like that. Well, I, I will say one thing, you know, that I miss about the SDR, you know, as you said, like that bubble. Um, it it's definitely fun looking back at it. it you, know, you don't think it's fun at the time, but actually it, there's not that much pressure compared to a closing role. I think that's the element that I miss is just, look, we're going we're gonna to turn up every day. We're going to try and book as many meetings. And, you know, if we don't book uh, meetings, you know, no one's going to get you know, fired or anything like that. We're, you know, we're not going to miss out on any uh, revenue. Um, I, I think, yeah, that bubble is, is what I miss is just kind of the, that you know less pressure than than the closing role 
So yeah, yeah, I would just have fun in the SDR role. You telling me you don't spin the wheel for your forecast still? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I missed. Oh my god, I, I forgot about that. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, just there, just. I remember just having it on my phone and just spinning it, and whatever it came out as was the number that I said I'm hit. I can't do that anymore. Upon. It's a good month, John. <laughs> Two million. <laughs> uh, might, might be a good time to bring up the infamous cheese wheel, John. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go on. Tell us, tell us about the cheese wheel, George. Uh, I think Lewis might be the man because he was the man that fell in love with it. <laughs> Salesforce dashboards pie chart for pipeline. It looks a lot like <laughs> Trivial Pursuit cheese wheel. And that thing was like obsessive. I remember when I thought like, it goes into that competitive side, but I remember just like, I'd probably stare at that thing for like an hour a day at some point. I'd just be yeah. like looking at it, I'd check every half an hour to see if it's changed. Like, no wonder you weren't making enough calls. <laughs> <laughs> Refresh, refresh, refresh. On a, on a global scale, you can see who's doing well, what's going on. And yeah. like, it was great. I, I absolutely loved it. And like, I think it, was, I think it was enhanced by the fact that everyone in the team kind of like got behind it, calling it this sort of like cheese wheel. And then all of a sudden, it just almost like, it almost like gamified. We, well, we got a cheese board, didn't we? So, so yeah. whoever, it's still oh, yeah. it's on my desk. It's still here. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, the cheese board is still in the office. No one got any pipeline since then? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the team has gone down since uh, yeah. My legacy but, lives on. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, point, the point you mentioned with the... Um, with like it being a, it being a bubble though, I, I actually some preparation for this call, guys. So this is actually a a, a point I had uh, written down. Um, but yeah, in in terms of people, you know, SCR is looking to progress as, as quickly as possible. Um, I think that it's, it is such a true point that you know if you've been in the role for sort of five or six months, you know, it, I mean it's great, it's amazing you have that mindset that you want to get to be a, an AE or an account manager or or, or whatever you want to get to, but you know, the reality is as, a, as an SDR, you know, for maybe for the first, if you've been there six months, you know, the first month you were learning what was going on. I know for us, selling an integration to Salesforce, it probably took me three months to work out what was Salesforce and what was New Voice Media because they were <laughs> together. And, you know, you're learning how, how everything works. In, in five or six months, you're probably just about getting to the point where, okay, I sort of know what I'm doing now. Mm. Um, and so you, you do need, you know, at least another six months then to be able to go in at it, you know, to be able to go at it, you know, full speed yeah. before then you could even think about making that, that next move. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you've got to be in that at least 12 months. I think I would agree with, I would agree with that in, if, you're, if you're coming into an SDR role and you're new to it. Um, and I think you're totally right. You shouldn't underestimate that position and the value that you can get and things that you can learn in that role and Lewis I think you're right the longer you, the longer you can be in that role the longer you have to perfect your craft the more people look at you as someone who adds value to them the more people think right she's she's ready for you I, I completely agree I don't think it should be about oh I've, I've been in the job eight months I should be promoted this guy did it in six months or whatever it should be about whether you feel ready and whether the business feels you're ready to take on mm-hmm. accounts um what was I going to say? Can't remember. Uh, just, just add to that. Sorry, John. I know we're kind of right. maybe going off topic, but um, 
what I will say is like, there's just so much you can learn as an SDR. Like, yes, you can come in and like do the day job of making calls or sending out emails. Um, but actually, since I have been an AE and you know had numerous SDRs um, that I've worked with, there's definitely a clear pattern of um, when an SDR first starts, they're very functional, uh, you know, conversation based. You know, it's all about features and functionality. Um, as they move into what I call kind of a phase two. Um, they, they, they then start to have value-based conversations, which um, are obviously more useful to me as an AE. Um, and as they move into phase three, they're starting to do most of my discovery calls for me. I, I really only need to sit on the call and, um, you know, so yeah, I, there's just so much that you can learn and you definitely shouldn't see it as um, a stepping stone, if you like. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be judged like that. I think just adding to George's, yeah. George's, what, George's timeline piece. I'll be honest, like it wasn't until I left New Voice Media and I went to the next company and I saw how their sales force worked that I finally understood like the sales force adoption piece. Like, so when you say, oh, it sometimes takes like three months to kind of get your head around it and then another six months. Like for me, I thought I understood it. And then having them move to another company and actually seeing how bad Salesforce could be, that was only the time when I actually fully understood like sort of, the concept of that so maybe that was my fault for not understanding but <laughs> I, th I think we've had a, a bit of a kind of shift in the conversation it brings on to a couple of questions that that people submitted to to ask uh for this discussion um and uh, luke we'll, we'll start with you on this one you know you talked about kind of that progression piece and being ready to to move up how how is your kind of internal personal brand impacted your career how has how has building that helped you yeah i i think definitely um one of the biggest learning curves that i had in scr is um the need to be visible um and it goes back to what we were saying about the work with your ae um you know if it if it is the the case that you do want to be promoted to an ae you need to let people know um like emily said and um you know, I remember working with my AEs and um, because of the good work that I was doing, they were then telling their manager who was essentially the hiring manager for the AE role. Um, so one is that, yeah, you 100% need to let people know that is your ambition and you need to be vocal about that. There's no point being quiet and, and hiding away from that fact. Um, the second element that's helped me massively since I've became an AE at, at New Voice Media and Vonage is the relationships that I built as an SDR in different departments around the business. That's really important because I work with literally every department now. And it goes back to what Lewis and George were saying, you know, simple things that, that went outside the remit of being an SDR, such as, uh, you know, playing football on a Friday, on a, on a Monday night, um, whether it be going to uh, the company wine quiz night. Um, I remember doing it a few times and just speaking to different people and, you know, making it known, you know, um, what, what you do on a daily basis and what you want to achieve with, with the company, um, I think is really important in helping you make that, that step up. So, yeah, be, be vocal, build those relationships as soon as you, you become an SDR is what I would say. Nice. Emily, move, moving on from that, how, and this is kind of the second part of, of this question, but how do you, how did you and, and how would you recommend somebody kind of make themselves known both internally and externally to kind of other reps and other leaders? Obviously, you've, you've been at New York Media, then you moved to Spring CM and then now at DocuSign, quite a, quite a large organization. What, what are some of your thoughts on that? Um, about making yourself an interpersonal brand. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I think at New Voice Media, um, I was straight out of university. I didn't really know what was going on, um, but I had a desire to earn lots of money. So I wanted to be in a direct sales role and I also had a desire to go and work in the US. So I remember sitting down with Jeremy Straker when I was like probably six months into the job and he asked me into his office and I genuinely thought I was getting the, getting the chop. Um, but he was just like, look, what do you want to do? So I remember just thinking, just tell him, just tell him. And I called and I said, look, if I would love the opportunity to work in the States. Um, if anything arises, I'd love to be considered for that. Um, I then left that meeting, let it sit, um, continued to work hard. I think it's important about the personal brand. It's not about, you know, necessarily arse licking people. It's just, just work hard, deliver results, and you'll be seen as, as, a, as a good person. Um, and then kind of a year line, um, Matt Tooson called me into his office and he said, hey, I think I heard you wanted to do some work in the US. And it's just like Butler said, it's that the message travels around people. They'll drop it into a conversation when they're having coffee or having lunch. So as long as, 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 long as you're making that, that point clear to different people, um, you'll get what you want. And then about a year later, Mark Fellows approached me and said, look, we've got a role for you in the US. So it just shows that those kind of things come, come around full circle. Um, I think the confidence thing is massive as soon as I did that role in the US my confidence went through the roof and I I actually saw myself as someone who I was like you know the business sees me as someone who adds value and they trust me I must be doing some fight so I think I took that confidence into roles then in Spring CM which is my company after New Voice Media and I've taken that even further into my role at DocuSign and just be confident, be bullshit, don't be a dick, but, but be nice, be, be nice to people, make genuine friendship relationships. Um, and it's not necessarily just doing that with the most senior people, although that, that obviously does help. As Luke said, make friends with the people who are going to be supporting you as an AE, the SEs, the ProServe people, marketing, you know, your, MD, your MDR team, make sure you're not losing that connection. So I think just making, be, being seen as someone in an organisation who is just a genuinely good person, um, a genuinely friendly person, you're approachable, you're not just out there to, you're not just a cutthroat individual looking to, to jump, jump ship as soon as the next thing comes along. Um, so yeah, I would say just be nice and work hard is just, is, is the, the only two things you can really do um, to build your personal brand. I think to your point, outside of um, work things like LinkedIn are great but for me I don't know whether I don't know whether I've necessarily used LinkedIn to the best of its ability I've got connections with people that I have no idea who they even are um, but maybe that was just something that we didn't wasn't really drilled into us from the start I don't know but um, I think just staying connected with people that you that you do genuinely know and you that you meet keeping an eye on what they're doing is a good way to maintain that personal brand. Interesting. Interesting. George or Lewis, any, any further thoughts on, on those topics? Yeah. I think that the personal brand that internally particularly is a, a massive thing. I know when, when I you know, was promoted up to, to be an AE, the, you know, I, you know, got no doubt that it's sort of similar sort of thing to, to what Luke was saying, you know, a, a huge help in that was the fact that the people that, the AEs that I'd been working with or had worked with, you know, were all advocates of me. Um, and I think that's because, you know, yeah, I was doing a good job and I was, you know, generating pipeline for them, but I was also, you know, doing so, so much more. You know, I'd obviously made it known to them where I wanted to get to. Um, 
you know, they were then including me later down the line in their sales processes so I could, you know, get, you know, get exposure to all that, but also doing things, um, you know, that were outside of, of my own remit as a, an SDR or BDR or, or whatever you, you call them, um, to, to, well, first of all, mean that I'm growing and, and learning more about, you know, how to run a sales cycle, but also to ultimately make sure that my A's were successful. Um, you know, there could have been times where something was, was even a already a qualified opportunity at, at the point in which it's a qualified opportunity. I've, you know, as an SDR, I've, I've done my job there and that's the salesperson's to run with it. But there's many occasions where I was still chipping out with, you know, yeah, and helping out with, with bits later down the, the sales cycle, because a, I knew that's where I wanted to go. B, I wanted to make sure that I was doing a, a really good job for, you know, my, my AE, but, but C, I knew I could actually get exposure to what else it takes to, to close deals. Um, I think I've, I've probably a funny story from that. I know, I remember when um, there was, we'd signed, I don't know if we can name company, company names, but we'd signed quite a large gambling, <laughs> quite a large gambling customer. And then we were going after a few more. And so obviously being a contact center solution, we needed to know how their contact center works. I remember Lewis, like a punt himself, spent the afternoon uh, calling up the uh, the contact centres of of various gambling companies to place bets because <laughs> he wanted to learn how that, what that what that you know journey was like. Which we all had a good laugh at because you know he, he quite likes to gamble himself. <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, Lewis. <laughs> but um, like you know, on a serious note, he was going uh, you know way further than what many SDRs would usually do to get to know what you know, what their process were like, what that customer journey was like, so that he could then pick out where those holes might be and, and where the value that the new voice media could have potentially added would sit. And, and that's all information that he can use and he can pass over to his, to his AEs to use as well. So you know, just going that extra step further to, so people can see, you know, like Emily said, this person's a you know, genuinely good person. I think just, just very quickly on that, um, I think like by doing that as an SDR, you're no longer saying like, oh, AE, can I join your conversation with Salesforce? Or can, for example, that case was William Hill, but it's like, can I join the conversation with William Hill? It'll actually be more like the AE coming to me and being like, look, you've done all this research. I'd actually really like you to come and join me on the call. I'm confident you can add value. And therefore, I want to involve more than the SDR saying, can I be involved? Um, and I think in terms of um, when we were talking about building relationships, if we look at more of like an external, I know obviously Emily, you mentioned LinkedIn. I know quite a lot of sales professionals still use, use sort of Twitter. And I agree, I think they're, they're sort of good, but I think sort of events in the community, I mean, I think events are like fantastic, really great way to obviously actually get some sort of face-to-face -face time with people, which can actually be really hard to get when you are an SDR. I know that doesn't come across quite as much as it does as an AE. Um, and sort of doing as much as you can around those events. So if you've got your, if you're hosting them, make sure you're inviting all your top prospects or make sure you're just inviting everyone who you speak to, everyone in your community, just to let them know actually you are still sort of thinking of them. It's an easy way to start conversations or, and, and like, I think that builds into sort of community and how important it is at this moment of time. And just actually asking people like, just getting in touch with those same people and just saying like, there's no events, but like, how are you? How are you getting on? And just by starting those kind of simple conversations, you actually start to open up a conversation and potentially uncover some opportunities. Mm. I mean, it, it sounds like there's there's a few key points there, and and it all it all drives around that you know being being real, 
like it's not about tips and tricks to to get FaceTime or attention. It's actually about being good at your job, backing up anything you say with what you've done already and, and with the effort that you put in and then using what you've done to do the talking. So putting yourself in a position where your A's and the, the people in your business want you to be involved because you add value. And so you, you almost put yourself in a position to be invited rather than always pushing. Um, and then externally, like you said, right, building real relationships, you know, Emily and Lewis both alluded to that, giving, giving yourself the opportunity to really build connections with people and, and maintaining real relationships rather than a facade of relationship. Um, which I think is, is really interesting. I guess it's going, it's, it's that concept of going deep rather than just wide. Like we're going to build real connections that can add value to each other rather than just having thousands of people who know who you are, but know nothing about you Yeah. and couldn't verify anything about you. Um, flip, flipping that on its head a little bit. The, the other question we had was how can you push you know, when you've been an SDR for a long time and you feel like you've kind of accomplished what you need to, how do you push for that next step to become an AE? And, and I guess, how do you make that decision whether you push internally or externally for that? Um, any, anybody have any, any thoughts on that? I think, I think internally, a great way is like, you, the manager's got to know, I think that point's been made before, that they've, they've got to be aware. Um, and a bit of advice that was sort of given to me was, go and ask that manager for the job description. Almost write down exactly what skills you've got and why you can cover off each of those points in that job description and then show that to the manager. This is why I'm suitable for the job. And then you're getting their buy-in to it. If they say, actually, you need to prove A, B and C to me, it's like, fantastic, okay, I've now got a list of things that I need to go and prove to show that, I, and then there's no reason for that person to then hire you when there is headcount for that role. So I think that's our, that would be my strategy. I think yeah. I think actually from a um, like working in recruitment now and seeing people that are potentially making that step externally as well, I think there's obviously some examples where maybe there's 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 not an opportunity there. There's not the headcount, and you know it's maybe going to be a, another twelve months you know, unless someone leaves. And you know that, that these things you know do happen. But I, I would actually say that I think making that step internally if possible is is so much easier than externally only value proposition you've got to build all those internal relationships again and you've got to learn actually how to be an ae um it just seems like a, a huge task to undertake whereas if you've already got you know, the knowledge of the technology the value proposition you've already got the internal relationships as we spoke about you know it's just a, it's stepping up to to essentially learn a new job role and, and how to be an AE. The rest of the stuff you've you've already got there. Um, so I think yeah, for any SERs that you know, the, the, the SERs that ask that question, um, if there's an opportunity there internally, 100%. Even if you've got to wait maybe four or five months longer, that's probably still worth waiting those four or five months rather than maybe going elsewhere. Um, if it's going to be longer, then then you probably do have to look elsewhere, and that does happen. But yeah, that, I think that's why. What I'd say on in terms of timeline and, and things with that. Yeah, for me, um, when I didn't make the move into an A role at New Voice Media, but I did, I did that transition at Spring CM. And George is absolutely right. I was so frustrated when I joined Spring CM because well, I wasn't frustrated, but I 
I was frustrated that I had to make all those new relationships, make myself so known as someone who adds value. And luckily for me, the European team in spring was so small that we had a spotlight on us anyway. So it was really easy to get noticed. But if you're in a big company like DocuSign, for example, it's so difficult to learn the ropes, make all those new relationships and actually stand out because there's so many people you're going up against. But I think my advice would be um, make it clear to anyone and everyone because you don't know who's talking to who. Um, as with my example of, of the US piece um and put 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 some time in a manager's calendar or the, the hiring manager's calendar and just be bold about it and say that i want to have a conversation with you about moving to this role what can i do what if, if there isn't a role coming up what can i be doing what kind of activities can i be doing to bolster my experience if you get you don't get the answer you're looking for you're at least going to get some tidbits as to what you need to be doing um and, and ways you can progress um I do think it depends on the nature of the company um, and for, New Voice Media was kind of a, a middle middle of the road company in, the, in its size in that yes you yes it was it was quite a big organization but it was small in the sense that you could be, you could be noticed and you could be seen what I see with some a company inside the DocuSign is that they have much more regimental rules around what it what it means to move from an SDR to an AE role so you have to hit target or plus target for like 12 months or something whereas if someone told that to me at spring cm or at new voice media i would have been gobsmacked and thought oh my god you know that's such a long time i don't know if i can wait that long so yeah i think it depends on the size of the company you're with but ultimately those things about making yourself known making yourself visible telling people what you want regardless of the size of the company those things are always going to stand you in good stead nice nice yeah i think it's interesting to know isn't it that each of you made that transition from SDR to AE in the same company that you were at, whether that was at New York Media or, or when you moved on, it, it, it was always within the same company. And, and when I've worked with sales teams at different organizations, I, I do often see SDRs get promoted to AE as they move company and they, they tend to struggle. They tend to be really good at building pipeline um, and then struggle to convert any of it into into opportunities really quickly and um and uh, yeah I, th I think that's an interesting an interesting trend I, I'd, I'd be interested if there was more data on that but you know it's such a crucial move to make isn't it it's such a pivotal move to the rest of your sales career i guess is is how that transition happens and it's it's really important that you give yourself the best chance of success at it and don't yeah. get caught up in the speed but get caught up in how do i do it really effectively um, yeah. you talked earlier about patience and I, I think it is a it's it's about it's about consciously demonstrating impatience while practicing patience like yeah. let everyone know it's what you want how quickly you want it and how much you want it but don't get distracted by what you're telling everyone else focus on doing what you need to do and yeah. not learning out and and progressing in your skills as well yeah um, I think I think the worst thing the worst thing you could do as an SDR is move into an AE role with no one backing you, no relationships, no one thinks you're someone who adds value, no one sees your potential, and that is what you get when you move from an SDR role too quickly, or it's what you get when you move from an SDR role in one company to an AE role in another, because you don't have any of that foundation that you need to set yourself up to be a good AE. I wasn't a good salesperson when I made that transition from SDR to AE, but I had all the people around me who believed in me and really wanted me to succeed. And they helped me get to the level that I'm at now. 
So there's there's no point in rushing it because you just won't be successful. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've got five minutes left before we have to make sure we're all wrapped up. Um, lightning round. What would you? What would be the one or two things you would change about kind of your time as an SDR or your career so far, and why? Lewis, we'll start with you. What do I wish? Oh, that's quite hard. What do I wish I changed as as an SDR? Um, I wish I made it clearer that I wanted to progress earlier on. I think we've just, that's sort of come up a lot, and I think that's something that I, I didn't do particularly well at Windows Media. I think I had at the time I had very sort of tunnel vision that I was I was sort of strongly targeting one specific role, mm -hmm. and in a company like New Voice Media, when like Emily said it's large, but it's not massive, and those roles don't necessarily come up all the, all the time. That was probably the wrong strategy on my part. Um, so yeah, just making it known that I wanted to progress um, was probably where I missed out there. Emily, uh, being more confident, hundred um, percent from from day one. I think I used to sit and see people like Luke Butler walking around with his headset on, making these amazing calls. Um, same with with Nick Linegan, who was a guy in New York. They were just so confident, and they just like. I think I saw myself as some, you know, weedy little SDR and I, and I wasn't, I was, and I, I should have had that confidence on the phone. And I got to a point at New Voice Media where I was almost a bit scared to make calls in front of the whole office because I, I wasn't confident in myself of, of what I was saying to that prospect or customer. Um, and as soon as I moved into another company and I just had to be confident, um, things really changed for me and I, I learned so much more so being confident from the get-go don't care what anyone else thinks about you or tripping up on mistakes just just go for it Luke yeah I think for me um, it would be uh, to understand the value of the SDR role quicker um, uh, yeah I think it's quite well known John with you I, I hated the role in the first three months I absolutely hated it I was I was terrible at it. I didn't want to make any calls. I didn't want to drive any meetings or, or um, attendance to events. Um, so for me, it would have been just, you know, within those first three months of me joining New Voice Media, actually understand the impact of what I do in the SDR role um, and how that reflects onto my future career, maybe becoming an AE. Um, yeah, quicker. And George, I'm hoping uh, you can not grow that moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll wait until the uh, lockdown's over, and then um, then I, we'll, we'll, then I'll make the decision then. <laughs> uh, no, I think same as as kind of what's been said already, just in terms of um, confidence. I, I don't know if it's necessarily be confidence, but I think just confidence definitely comes into it. But just you know, getting going and and you know, pick up the phone, and if you make a mistake, that's that's how you learn. I think you know, I, I like to think I'm a fairly quick learner, but I think also I I definitely like to have you know kind of almost be an expert in something before I then practice it whereas you know if you're if you're on the phone just pick up and if you make a mistake you make a mistake you know you go again and you'll learn you know five times quicker than sitting by yourself until you think you know it you, you've got to go out, get out there and, and practice it awesome thank you so much guys thanks i hope you enjoyed today's show as much as i did 
Thank you to all of those that have been participants and guests on the Sales E-Experience podcast for this season. I look forward to seeing you all again in season two. Stay safe.